And hey, it's Andy Honest, and you're listening to another episode of Pod Slam Ajama, now owned by Let's Rage Cougs. On this episode, we will be discussing all things of, on the football team as they lead into their Week 5 matchup in American Athletic Conference opener on Friday against Tulane. We'll talk about the men's basketball team who held their first practice of the season this past Tuesday, and we'll also talk women's hoop as they opened their first practice of the season this past Wednesday, September 28th. We're in the middle of football season conference games underway and basketball season right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slam the gym. Yeah, high standards, high goals, you know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be unguarded, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches coach players play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. Where you can care less what other people think. bit of a news intro uh we have to shake things up again this is all clips that we owned we are officially a hundred percent um self-sustaining is that like everything we're running is now part that we've created is our 100 percent content creation so we're on to better and better things as we go forward please be sure to hit the subscribe button and like this video if you haven't already we are at 234 subscribers as of now as we got some fantasy news alert in the background for some espn news update but uh the wednesday september 28th that we are recording this we are at 234 subscribers of course we're on the road to a thousand we have a lot of clips, a lot of content coming. Uh, October is right around the corner. Football season, like we mentioned in the intro, we're about to start conference playing. The basketball season for both the men's and women's is just over a month to start. So we're going to have content for days. So please help us out and get us to the road to 1,000. That is our big goal, 1,000 subscribers. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to help us out. It really helps us a lot. Dayon, as always, you are joining me, sir. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, man. I'm excited. A lot of sports to talk about, a lot of cougar sports to talk about, basketball practice opening up, and I'm excited. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've been I've been at, to the University of Houston a lot of times this past week, like you mentioned, just a lot of stuff going on. But we'll stop with we'll we'll start with the ongoing football season. And they picked up a win, a much needed win against the Rice Owls. Probably not as smooth as the Houston Cougars. Certainly not as smooth as Houston fans wish that game would have gone as they defeated Rice thirty four to twenty seven. Obviously, if you haven't done so already, please be sure to check out Let's Rage Cougs on the Houston Roundball Review YouTube channel where we had instant reaction to that game but we know the story by now the anthony jones came up big late in that game with back-to-back strip sacks the second of the strip sacks led to a scoop and score by defensive lineman nelson caesar which proved to be the go-ahead score but a lot to take away both in positives and negatives in that game i think the biggest negative out of that game was once again Houston, well, a couple things. Houston, the penalties. They committed 10 or more penalties. Again, against Rice, they have not committed 10 or more penalties in all four of their games this season. That's just something that Hoverson has harped on, and and he's really hammered the phrase. A lot of stupid stuff in the past three games, um, and it was much more of the same. And again, late. Late in the game, when Houston had a chance to clinch, the offense failed to get a first down. The defense let Rice go 85 yards. So even though they picked up a win, there's still a lot to try to clean up. Now, the person that made headlines after the game was head coach Dana Holgerson for uh, obviously a frustrated Dana Holgerson after the game. And he said uh, at this point, what they had been reiterating, um, he wasn't going to take accountability for for the penalties that they had continued to make. On Monday, Holgerson started his press conference by Addressing those comments that he made, here's what he had to say. 
specifically about those comments, and, and he's not taking responsibility uh, for the penalty issue. Let me start by uh, uh, welcoming everybody. Uh, I, I, I also want to uh, address uh, one of my comments in the press game, in the post-game press conference. Um, you know, I was frustrated and feeling some emotions that I hadn't felt uh, maybe ever. <laughs> And as 12 years being a head coach and 32 being a, uh, a college coach, um, you know, obviously, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't pointing the finger at, at, at anything. Uh, I misspoke. Uh, that was stupid. I shouldn't have said what I said as far as not assuming responsibility for anything that our team does. I mean, we all know that I assume responsibility for everything that happens within this program, what coaches do. Uh, how coaches coach, what players do, how players play, that's my responsibility. I know that. You guys know that. I, I don't know why you guys didn't tell me that we won. <laughs> it's a, it was just, it felt like there's, I mean, there's just some things, right? That And it's college football. This stuff happens like every week uh, to, to various people. I'm very thankful that we won. I'm very proud of of our next man up mentality that existed so Dana Hogerson right there kind of trying to to address well he did address the situation he, he it wasn't on that clip but he later on went went on to apologize about the remarks obviously a lot of frustration pointing over from just the way uh really the first four games of the season have gone for Houston the first two overtime games against UTSA Texas Tech losing to the Red Raiders and Kansas at home um but Again, the biggest issue for Houston early on in the season has been penalties. Dayon, before we go to a clip from DeAnthony Jones where he talks about the penalties and trying to clean that up, you know, what, first, your overall takeaways from Hogerson's comments overall, and two, just consistently how that has been a big problem for Houston in the first four games of the season. I mean, well, obviously been a problem. We can't beat yourselves. And, I mean, it's good for him to kind of, I guess, take ownership as the lead man, the head coach of – what's going on with the football team that he coaches, he's a leader of. And so I guess, I guess kudos to him for that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, they got to stop the penalties, man. It's early in the season. So you, you expect it, but at the same time, you expect the older team or veteran team to be more disciplined. And so, I mean, with all that, still being said, you still had a chance to win every game you played this season. And so I think they'll clean it up. For sure. And now the real season starts conference play against Tulane. Here's what DeAnthony Jones has to say about those penalty issues. Really, the players are starting to, to reinforce and, and kind of hold themselves accountable is what DeAnthony Jones said. Here's what he had to say about how they're addressing those issues. Uh, yeah, so so we're policing it in practice. I, I, I'll be first and foremost to say I think the first time, uh, touchdown we gave up was was from me jumping off sides and they threw the ball up. So, you know, obviously I'm going to start with myself. I got to learn how to uh, hold it down on third downs and um, not – you know, jump off sides and, you know, kill my team like that. Um, but we're police, uh, policing it in practice, running to the ball, not holding, tackling better, wrapping up, cutting down on the penalties. Because I think I think we're uh, top of the food chain when it comes to uh, penalties uh, in college football, period. You know, you know, we you know, that's the difference between, you know, being two and two and four. and oh, you know, what I'm saying in my eyes, um, just uh, we're going to clean it up all together. It starts in practice. You know, coaches, coach, players play at the end of the day. It's us. We're committing it, not the coaches. So um, we're going to get on it in practice, police everyone, especially myself, you know, and uh, we're going to get better with it. The difference between two and two and four and oh in the Anthony Jones's eyes. I think the big thing right there is that he started off the clip by taking self-responsibility and addressing the offside penalty that it really set up Rice for their first score of the game. 
as he should. I mean, as he should. I mean, that, that was good to him. A couple of things stuck out to me. Um, the difference between, like you said, from being two and two and, or four and oh, and I think he's right on point with that. Um, high discipline football teams execute in um, situational football and don't hurt themselves with penalties as much as Houston has hurt themselves. But another thing was players play. That's something I've been saying for the last couple of episodes. Although coaches coach, I think players play. And at the end of the day, some of the things that Houston has done, mm-hmm. I say coaching has if hasn't a part of it, but at the same time, the players are on the field to make those plays and they should make, uh, make them. But um, yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to be a, a good game. They got a good um, team that they're going to play this week who's coming it's feeling real high for themselves with a really good quarterback. Yeah, and, and the big headline news, uh, especially regarding the Houston defense this week, is the season-ending injury sustained by defensive end Derek Parrish, who suffered a bicep injury that's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. Obviously, a huge blow for Houston. Derek Parrish led the team in sacks with five. He had the most tackles for loss on the team at eight and a half, and he was among the college leaders in all of college football when it came to tackles for losses, and he was third on the team and just total tackles overall. So big part in Houston's defense and one of the things that DeAnthony Jones said uh, and Doug Doc mentioned as well. They're not going. There's not going to be one individual player that can step in and replace Parrish's shoes and be able to have that level of production, but it's going to be much more on the strength and numbers and being able to have multiple players step up and make plays down the line. And we kind of saw a little bit of that against Rice, where not only did De'Anthony Jones have the back-to-back sacks, uh, but Nelson Caesar was there just in terms of being able to be the utility man to pick up the ball and score. There was the interception on that following possession by uh, Thabo, and and even just th- there was another sack. I can't remember who exactly was the, the person, the player that they got that in her, the 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 first sure. sack. They got things. They got the sack. Uh, I'm sorry. Who was that? The trail Bankston. Bankston for sure. And then when it comes to a lot of the other players, they're going to be uh, able to step in and fill in that role. Cedric Williams, Elias Bell is one of the players that Dana Horrison has mentioned. So it's going to be much more on uh, the phrase that that DeAnthony Jones said was being able to have all of Sack Avenue to come and fill in those shoes. For sure. I mean, it's always strict the numbers, but let's not forget, DeAnthony Jones left the team in sacks last year. Nelson Caesar um, has been a player who they've been switching around to keep all three of players, Parrish, Jones, and Caesar on the on the field at the same time. So they've been moving – really all three of those players have been playing interchangeably throughout the front. So now I think Nelson can know for sure he's got – him and DeAnthony is going to be on the field together, rushing from the edge majority of the time and going to get their first chances. Then, like you said, you got other players who are interchangeable like Cedric Williams can play inside, outside, and some of the other players that you mentioned who are going to have to step up and, and – hold themselves to the culture that Sac Avenue has created, the standard, I mean, that Sac Avenue is creating and get the quarterback. Yeah, and Hoverson said that, especially on the defensive line, they have so much depth on the inside position. Um, they might have to move around a couple of those players to play outside on the ends to try to, to create more depth at that position, is what Hoverson said. So it's going to be interesting to see how that group bounces back. And like you mentioned, Dayon, uh, Tulane team that's going to be a tough challenge. They, they've beaten tough teams like Kansas State. Now they turn around and they drop one that they're probably going to wish they had back um, in the loss against Southern Miss. But just overall, what Tulane has been able to do and, and what Doug Buck said, is all, it all starts with Michael Pratt, their quarterback. who Houston knows very well they were very successful against Tulane a season ago. They sacked them eight times. But 
Pratt didn't, and something that DeAnthony Jones said on Tuesday, Pratt isn't a player that they kind of gave him. He just continued to get up. He continued to come to come at Houston, and when it came to the game overall, he was sacked eight times, but he also threw for over 200 passing yards. He had two passing touchdowns. He didn't throw a pick, and this year it certainly seems like he's taking his level to the, his game to the next level. Yeah, I think he has next-level potential. Um, he, he can run, he can make all the throws on the field, and and he has good command of the offense. I think it's in his third year, and he's really tough. He can take those eight sacks. He won't flinch in the pocket. He'll still stand in there and make tough throws. And I think he's a, a really, really good talent and has a ton of potential, potential to play at the next level. But um, this two-line team beat a tough Kansas State team, and then they dropped it one of the Southern Miss. I wish they know they had back, like you said. But – they Kansas State team, they beat a Big 12 team in which Houston is 0-2 against Big 12 teams this year. And so that's something to think about as they come in, um, into TDECU Stadium. Yeah, and that Kansas State team, they didn't just um, – the, the win that Tulane was able to get, they were also able to – Kansas State was able to turn around and beat a tough-ranked Oklahoma team. So the, the green – Tulane, they're legit, and that, like we've reiterated, uh, they come into three and one. They're probably gonna come with a lot of swagger, and just something that Doug Belk talked about uh, the challenges that they pose. It, it seems like Tulane is really deep at a lot of skill positions when it comes to the offensive side of things. They have three different players. Pratt is one of them that have rushed for over a hundred yards coming into the game. They have five different players that have accumulated a hundred or more receiving yards, and really the lead receiver for Tulane is Shea Wyatt. And one of the things that Doug Belk said is. They have a lot of speed. They have a lot of length, and that's going to pose a lot of challenges for Houston on Friday. Yep, it is. Secondary is going to have their work cut out for them. So all three phases are going to have to play one part together, starting with the defensive line. they got to be able to get pressure and not allow um, Pratt to sit back there so long and make some of those down-the-field throws. And then the defense has to tackle. Yeah, down the fundamentals, too many missed tackles, too many corners, but got to wrap up, and I don't know if Donovan Muni is going to be back, and so those young linebackers still got to step up, wrap up, and make tackles, and with the safeties, the secondary as well in the corners. Everybody has to wrap up and try to limit some of those big explosive plays. You're going to force teams to drive down the field with um, – where you can play tough red zone defense. And so that defense is going to have a huge challenge. And um, they're going to be in their all-black uniforms, in which I liked. Yeah. One of the only uniforms that I like that they have. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe that's bring some extra some extra juice, some extra vibes with them, and they can turn it around, especially on the defense. On the offensive side of things, uh, against Rice, the Houston really saw a couple of receivers step up besides Tank Dell. Who, I mean, he just continues to be the standard when it comes to that receiving room. And honestly, when it comes to the offense overall, he had another 130-plus receiving yard performance. He had a touchdown. He had seven catches. But really, behind him, Matthew Golden showed up, and he, he made a couple of great plays, especially early on in the game. Um, he actually scored the first touchdown in the game against Rice on the the bubble screen or the, it looked like a slant that had turned into a screen that he took for 19 yards but Manjack Joseph Manjack had a couple of uh, receptions too they both accumulated roughly around the same 40 yards but that that's big for Houston to be able to have more production behind Dell at receiver and also Tejon Henry who stepped in big he rushed for 112 yards with Brandon Campbell out he stepped up huge as well 
He did. And um, starting with Tajon Henry, back to back weeks in which he's had over 100 yards. Last week was receiving, this week is rushing. And so mm-hmm. he's definitely doing his part in the backfield and making the team more balanced and being balanced, whether it's running and catching, like I just mentioned. But the receivers, I think what Houston has done a good job of is getting some of the other receiver touches just to showing that they're threats. Because they often do it early in the game with either Man Jack or Golden. Just, I believe, to keep the defense honest and to open the defense up a little bit just to show that, hey, we will go to these receivers. If you play man on them, then it kind of opens up the field for Tank and let Tank tear up the middle of their defense and just kind of get loose. Yeah, and when it comes to the injury updates, you mentioned Brandon Campbell, who didn't suit up against Rice. Uh, Houston spokesperson actually said he hadn't practiced at all uh, leading up to the week against Rice, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on. And Hopefully it's not a long-term injury for him. Dana Hogerson said that the only long-term injuries are obviously Derek Parrish, who's going to be out for the season, and Malik Robinson, who had uh, previously been ruled that he's also going to be out for the season with torn pectoral muscles. So outside of those two players, it seems like a lot of the other injuries are more wait-and-see approach, but that's something that's certainly going to keep an eye on at that running back position that it's key when it comes to depth. And, and prior to the injury, Brandon Campbell was actually leading Houston in rushing. Now that Tajon Henry has kind of gotten things going, it would be another weapon that, that would really benefit Houston. You mentioned Donovan Mutant, uh, Art Green, Javarius Owens, all those are players that uh, Doug Gulk said that they're uh, kind of approaching it day by day in approach in terms of leading up to the game against Tulane. Bit of a short week. They played on Saturday. Now they have to turn around and play on Friday. So it'll be interesting to see how many players are available for Houston. But it's going to go back up to the next man up mentality. And something that Doug Gulk said that even if they aren't short, shorthanded, that's not an excuse for Houston um, to put play back football on the field. It's going to be on the coaches to get the players that are available to play to be ready to play. Yeah, all all season, um, we heard them talking about depth. We have depth, depth, depth. Okay, well, now it's time to see the depth that you guys have been talking about (laughs) all all season. Let's see the depth that they have and what they can do on the field. So when you have depth, I I, I expect for them to come out and and play and play well. There may be some mistakes because with um, less experience or something like that, you may – be prone to make more mistakes. But other than that, I expect them to come out and execute. I expect them to be well coached and come out and perform. And I think it's, it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a battle of the quarterbacks, which quarterback can play, um, outplay the other. I think whichever one does that uh, will win the game. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a tough task. Now, Houston, when it comes to conference openers, if we're heading into Friday, they're going to be looking to win their third straight conference opener after beating, uh, after winning the past two conference openers. Even going back to 2020, they opened, it was actually the regular season opener and the conference opener with the way the COVID season had, had, uh, canceled all the first four games, first five games, I believe, of the Houston season. And Tulane ended up being the season opener for them. They won that game. It was a bit of a crazy game where the Green Wave jumped out to 24-0 leads. So Houston, obviously, going to be looking to avoid falling into that hole. But even then, just being able to build on that game from Rice and build for momentum, one of the things that multiple players said, um, especially after the loss to Kansas, is that they're their main goal of winning the American Athletic Conference Championship, that's still ahead of them. So it's going to be crucial for Houston to get off on the right foot with a tough two-lane team that, uh, honestly, depending on how the game goes, 
Houston and Tulane, they might be battling for who's one of the representatives in the American Athletic Conference Championship game come December. So it's going to be a pretty big game there. Once again, the kickoff is going to be at 6 p.m. on ESPN on Friday at TDECU Stadium. But that's going to do it for our football talk coming right up. We're going to transition over to the hardwood, and we'll start with the women's basketball team, who on Wednesday, September 28th, opened their first practice of the season. We'll hear from Layla Blair, from Layla Blair and head coach Ron Huey on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slime Jam. Dayon and Andy here on Pod Slime Jam are now talking basketball here. And both teams held their first official practices for the new basketball season. And the women's team, um, one word that that stuck around with their team last year for me being calling um, all of their home games was inconsistency. Some of the yeah. most times and losses that they had was because they were inconsistent throughout the entire game and never really put together a full game playing high level basketball. And so um, coach Huey in the first practice got a chance, coach Andy got a chance to catch up with him. And he talked about eliminating some of those inconsistencies. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. Well, you know, the thing for us, it was just being consistent. You know, the thing that starts with us is that first five get to playing well and doing that, and then six through ten have to be able to play well and pick it up as well. Well, when we start to get inconsistent with six through ten, now it strains the first five. And sometimes when the first five is not doing what they need to do, six through ten need to come in and say, we got your back and be able to pick you up and be the first thing. You know, that kind of stuff. When we got inconsistent on those parts, that's when things started to go bad. So our job this year across the board from coaches to players to support staff and everything, Eliminate that inconsistency. Eliminate as much as possible. And how do you do that? You do that by coming in and doing the work every single day. Being the best that you can be, doing the same person you can be every single day, and just doing the work. Do your job. You know, it's nothing greater than those three words. Do your job. And so, again, if you buy into doing your job the best that you can, it'll take care of itself. So we're trying to eliminate those inconsistent moments within us because nobody really beat us. We beat ourselves a lot of time. Not to give, take away credit from anybody else. You know, we play a lot of great teams. But I feel like when you come down to it, the turnovers, the missed shots, the point-blank missed shots, the crazy fouls. You know, one of the stats we had this past year, we fouled nine times a game with less than four seconds on the clock. Wow. <laughs> now, you're talking about beating yourself now. Mm-hmm. Nine times a game that we press people from one end of the floor, got them under there, we got them under five seconds, and we fouled under four seconds nine times a game. That's what you call beating yourself. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things we got to eliminate with discipline, being consistent and things like that. Once again, when it comes to Houston women's basketball team, trying to eliminate the inconsistency, cut down on the mistakes. You heard Huey right there say he felt like a lot of the times last season they were just shooting themselves in the foot. And when it comes to being able, obviously, battling your opponent, it's going to be tough. But whenever you're uh, inflicting yourself with self-inflicting wounds, that's going to make things much more harder. And that was kind of the story of the entire 21-22 season where Houston was up and down for much of it. They would go on streaks, um, extended losing streaks, and they would bounce back around with, with a couple of winning streaks. And then it was just up and down all season long. And it, it played a little bit early on into conference play, and they were kind of uh, digging themselves out of a hole from the get-go. Yep, yep, and um, they'll put together a couple games where they win and dominate, and you you can see the potential of what could be. Then they'll go for streaker games and not play as well. And so, like Coach Huey said, eliminate some of those inconsistencies um, 
with their starting unit, getting off to a good start, um, closing quarters good, and, and also not picking up dumb fouls. And he just mentioned mm-hmm. a number of times that they fouled with the shot clock under five seconds. That's something you can't do, especially being a pressure-oriented team that wears the team down and you bail them out with the foul. Oftentimes, your average will speed them up. And so your defense has one and does its job. And then when you bail out the foul, you got to limit those things like that. And so everything Coach Huey said was true. I mean, I, I've seen every game that they played in the last couple of years and no team that they played last season, you put on the floor and be like, oh, they have more talent or they're better than Houston. Oftentimes it was Houston just beating themselves. And so um, I think if they can eliminate some of those things that Coach Huey talked about, I think they have it really good. I've been saying that all year, and I think this is the year. I think the inconsistency from the program over the last couple of years is going to be a change, and I expect this year for the team to put it together and go to the tournament. And obviously when it comes to the women's basketball team, one of the things that they love to do is pressure and, and really uh, press the heck out of teams uh, full court, pick them up full court and just constantly um, have a lot of pressure on them defensively. I think that stat that Ron Huey said certainly was interesting where they were averaging about nine fouls a game with less than four seconds. Uh, it, it That's again, going back to the self-inflicting wounds. That's something where when you, you get so close, it kind of when you think about it from the football standpoint, you get so close to like when you get to a team on third down and then make a costume mistake that, that extends the drive is something that Houston need to work on and clean up, and that's going to be kind of one of the emphasis that they're looking at heading into the new season. They, of course, have until November 7th before uh, they have their first regular season game in 2022-23. Now, one of the players that's going to be crucial for Houston to get where they want, which, again, since this is going to be their last year in the American Athletic Conference, they plan is to be able to go in there and, and win the conference, something they haven't been able to do in, in under Ron Huey. So it's one of the big players that's going to be able to be a part if they can accomplish that will be Layla Blair, who's going to be entering her junior season. She's been with the program. And here's what she had to say first on just what she's really focused on over the summer and kind of her goals heading into the 2022-23 season. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of it, like last year, even though it was tough for us because we didn't reach the expectation we wanted to, it was a blessing because at the end of the day, it wasn't no type of loss. It was a lesson for us all. And we learned a lot about ourselves um, as a whole and individually. And I feel, I think it, it, it started from the coaching staff down to us. So I think everybody understands, you know, like what we have to do to implement, you know, the, the process and the, the key steps that we need to take as far as being successful this year and winning games and having a winning culture. So I think us just being, you know, consistent and disciplined and keeping our head down, like Bria said, day after day, we'll be all right. And just stay, you know, like I said, stay consistent, man. Leila, what, what was the one part of your game that you, like, focused or emphasized on during the summer heading into? Man, so many things. Um, honestly, I, I worked on a lot of, you know, uh, reads as far as me making better reads because I do draw a lot of attention, you know, going into the paint. So I tried to implement more workouts where I'm making reads off of drives, like throwing hook passes, different things. And just not, not only that, being able to, you know, score, you know, without the ball, like off on the move, like catch and shoot, um, just different things as far as even if I cut to the basket, working on my stamina where I can move all types of ways during the game. I don't know if you ever saw Stephen Curry play. He's always yeah. moving. And I think that was my main thing is being in you know great shape to be able to do that so that people don't feel like they can counter anything that I do. I want to be unguardable, <laughs> if I'm honest. 
I want to be unguardable. That's the lead quote right there. But a couple of good things that she touched on. Again, she kind of, she spoke before Ron Huey, but even before then, they kind of echoed the same message. And that's like we talked about consistency. That's really their focus. Discipline was the other theme that they're really uh, emphasizing heading into the new season. And having a winning culture. That's another thing she talked about. And um, I kind of just smiled just hearing her talk and hearing some of the things that she said because everything she said is what they need to do. And I talked about having your best player as one of your uh, best leaders. I think it's going to show mightily with Layla. And one of the things that you asked her, what, what is she going to work on her game? The first thing that she said was making others better. And, mm-hmm. and that's huge for for um, for her and her team because on every given night, she's going to be on the first – person on the scattering for the other team and they're going to be looking to try to uh, make her score I mean make her pass and not score trying to stop her from scoring and so with her knowing she can affect the game especially with passing and working on different ways to make others better make the game easier for her teammates I think it could really 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 make this team more potent and make her game more potent because as everyone else is um being heavily guarded because um, they're very effective and they also have the skill set. I think it would even make her score even more. And so I'm excited that she said that. And another thing was turnovers. She struggled with turnovers personally and often not making um, the correct pass at the right time. And so to hear her grow, I, I think she's just ready to take that next step and continue evolving as a basketball player and his team evolving and the culture evolving. And so uh, I like what I heard right there from Layla. Yeah, and even, you know, going, adding on to that point, you didn't play the clip, but uh, um, one of the first things that Ron Huey said when he when he first spoke to reporters, he, he emphasized that culture and how it's something that, that gets worked on every day, and it goes from first day of practice all the way to practice 15, all the way to once they start the regular season. It's about consistently reiterating uh, that message of the team culture, and, and from that clip right there, specifically about Blair, like you said, that's kind of the next step that, that it's kind of left to unlock in her game, and that's being able to be more of a playmaker and set up her teammates but then the interesting thing being more versatile in the way she scores we know that she's a good scorer um, when it comes off the dribble and being able to create for herself but being able to do so off the off the ball that's going to be certainly a next step for her that's going to just unlock another skill set it's going to make her individually much tougher to guard he says she wants to be unguardable but just overall being able to help Houston because it's going to open up a lot more of the game for everyone else so if she if she is able to show that she's been able to do that at a higher level that's certainly going to be one good for her individually um, just being able to unlock that new level but for Houston overall Dan I'm gonna toss it over to you just for final takeaways um, anything else that that really just overall from being able to see their home games the season and go following them the entire season, that really you're kind of looking forward to see if they can either correct or just something that you're looking for as they head into the new 2022-23 season. No, I think they both hit it right, consistency. I think if they start the season with consistency, um, win the games that they're supposed to win, and just play the way that they that they can with the talent I know that they have. I think the, um, the rest will take care of itself. Um, and Layla, to the point that she was making by playing more without the ball, also think that will help her and her team because they often create turnovers and play at a faster place. So if she's willing to get out on the floor, there could be ways for her to get more open shots instead of having to beat um, her opponent or the uh, the defense 
or her defender off the dribble with all the defense on her eyes. And so all those points, I think, um, will make her better. And I'm excited to see this team, man. I think her and Tierra Young is going to be really, really good together. And I can't wait to see how they put it all together. Mm-hmm. And we're just under 40 days until they tip off their season. Uh, they're actually going to tip off the season the same day as the November 7th. They're going to open the season in Lafayette, Louisiana against the Raging Cajuns. So that's going to be an exciting time for, for both basketball programs as they tip off their season on November 7th. But uh, that's going to do it for the women's segment coming right up. We're going to transition over to the men's basketball team still on the hardwood, but a lot of, a lot of expectations from the Houston men's basketball team, especially uh, we know the big headlines from a lot of fans. They're looking ahead at what potentially could be a historic season for the, for the team. But when it comes to Kelvin Sampson, he doesn't want to hear that. He wants to focus specifically on the now. And he, we're going to hear what he had to say about some of the new additions. I was, the man, the main headliner when it comes to a lot of fans is Jarvis Walker. We'll also hear from Marcus Sasser on the team's goals, and we'll hear from Walker as well. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pods. I'm a jam. For the city, for the city, for the city, man. That's what you hear. Mm-hmm. That's what you know. You know what time it is. And men's basketball team is back at practice. The coach Sampson back really kind of laying the law. Um, <laughs> to know how this program is ran and, and what goes on. And so, Coach Sampson, and I really love Coach Sampson. Let's just get right into the clip and listen to the gospel of Coach Sampson and how this team are where they are because of the culture that he's, he set. Yeah, that's why when people, we get new players, every, everybody starts slobbering all over them like they're already there. None of these guys are ready to impact one. None of them. Name me a player. He's not ready to impact when he be first-year player. The year we went to the Final Four, the number one recruiting class in the nation was Kentucky. I think their record was 18-18 or 18-17, something like that. Duke was the number two recruiting class. They were 16-13. and 13. So don't talk to me about recruiting ranks. They, they don't mean anything. By the way, Marcus was 297. So it, it's, it's about experience, about learning the system, it's about picking things up. And they're going to struggle. Um, but um, uh, effort and attitude are things that they can control, and that's what this program is all about. I don't have to worry about coaching effort and attitude uh, because I have older guys to take care of that. I'm allowed to coach basketball. But now, if I see effort that's not where I want it to be, then, then we'll address it. But we don't put off things for tomorrow that we can control today. Kelvin, it hurt you to see Marcus and Jamongo out last year, just to see them back on the floor and kind of get yeah. back to basics again. I know you as a coach, you just got to happen yeah. for them as, as players, too. You know, yeah. they love this. Yeah, they're, um, uh, you know, Marcus is in his fourth year with me. Uh, I don't worry about Marcus' efforts, and I never worry about his attitude. Now, Tremont's effort, uh, his toughness level is not at the same level as Marcus is right now. He's got to get better. You know, that's why I stay on top of uh, uh, him. But remember, Marcus is his fourth year playing. Tremont's in his second year. Tremont played his freshman year. He didn't play last year. So don't say this is third year. It's his third year, but his second year playing. It's like JBA. JBA's a freshman this year. You know, uh, Jamal's first year, last year was really his freshman year. It's, uh, they're all, all their minutes and experience will dictate uh, what year they are as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. But uh, Marcus is, uh, you know, Marcus is the face of this program right now. It's like uh, uh, last year, I'm not sure we had one. 
couple of things to unpack there. First, we'll start with the kind of the walk-off quote right there. Marcus is the face of the program right now. And he's certainly the, the player that has a lot of the attention just in terms of how he tested NBA waters over the offseason, decided to come back. And really, after the past season got cut short due to the foot injury, you know, his reasoning for coming back, um, is pretty straightforward one being being able to to build up his stock, but certainly it is to to help Houston get that final hump, and that's not only get to the final four, but get to a national championship and win the national title. Um, your thoughts right there on what he said about Marcus Hester being the face of the program? I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, each year you think about it when Houston made a run, that we had who was someone that's kind of like the the face of the program. And so, I mean, without a doubt, it's Marcus. It's his year. Everyone knows that. Um, and and I, I think, I mean, it's just keeping it real, like Coach Sampson does. He is the face of the program. He, we're going to go, I don't want to say as he goes, because we're, we're, we're such a complete program and team that one player doesn't really – but we're going to be heavily – as I say that, I say that because we do heavily depend on him to deliver night in, night out, and he's going – I believe he's going to. And so, um, I mean, Marcus um, – it's going to be a big year for Marcus. I think not only for his future endeavors, I think just in time to, to develop to, to for him to reach his goal, ultimately to get to where he want to go. And I think in his fourth year with Coach Sampson in this program, I think they're going to – really, really sharpen um, his weaknesses and allow him to really flourish and, and, and really carry this team to to new heights that, that it hasn't seen in a very long time or as potentially has never seen. And so um, Marcus is, is a huge key. And like the women's team, Coach Sampson actually is the one who I heard it from. When you, uh, player-led teams that have their best leaders, they're – Best players as their best leaders is uh, really good teams. And so I think this team is going to um, really, really be good because of Marcus. Yeah, and, and not only from, from a play standpoint, but also as a leadership, as a leader yeah. from a leadership standpoint, yeah. just because he's going to be entering his senior season. He's been with the program. He knows what the culture is all about. And that's kind of the the thing when it comes to Houston. Obviously, all eyes turn to, to Jarris Walker and just the recruiting class in general because of how highly ranked Terrence Arsenault and Emmanuel Sharp were coming into the program. But you heard that right there from Kelvin Sampson in that clip. You know, it doesn't matter how highly recruited you are are um it's not going to be often that players are ready depending it doesn't matter what the recruiting uh ranking is they're not going to be ready to impact winning it's that that's the important phrase that samson likes to say impact winning from day one and it's crucial to have players uh, like marcus sasser that he's good enough to be able to play at the next level but more importantly he has all the experience he knows what the houston culture is all about and guys like him jamal shed is going to be another player that's a key factor uh players that have been around even reggie cheney now he's going to be entering his third season with the program which is just kind of hard to believe how fast time has gone by that's certainly um kind of the things that really helps houston in terms of how how high of the expectations are that are on them coming into the season. And one of the things that, that Marcus Sasser was asked about, he was asked about straight blank about those expectations. And here's what he had to say about uh, the season goals for Houston. Um, it's a real responsibility, you know. Um, I feel like been here multiple years, four years. So I feel like everybody has their turn and now it's just my turn. So I feel like I was prepared well before for the people that came before me. So it's a good spot to be in. What's the vibe like for this group? I mean, how 
outside noise. I know you guys are playing pay attention, but Jerry uh, said, you guys know. I mean, yeah. the expectations are high. What's the vibe around this group heading in? Um, yeah, we know. You know, we um, see it. Everybody knows around, but I feel like it just gives us more motivation. You know, as we're going in, we got high standards, high goals. And, you know, we know what it takes to get there. So I feel like we can use it as, use it as extra motivation. Really. I mean, first of all, in that first half of the clip, he was asked directly about what his reaction was to Calvin Sampson calling him the face of the program. And he right there, he kind of hit on the points that we had touched on. Yeah. Just it, it, especially when it comes to Houston, there's always seems like there's Calvin Sampson emphasizes roles. And like you mentioned right there, it's always uh, someone's role to being able to be the leader. And it just happens to be his turn this season. So he's kind of already fully embraced it. But then the other part right there about the expectations, you know, where the final four is going to be this season is going to be in Houston. They have a chance to do something special, something very rare. And Marcus acknowledged that, but he said that they're using it as few and it, it just motivates them more to be able to, to meet that expectation and set that standard. And the important thing he says they know what it takes to get there. They know what it takes to get there. You're right, but that's the most important thing. And so, um, like he just said, he's learned a great chance to learn from players before him, and it's a good place to be in because the player before him, when they were in their road, they really excelled and the team excelled. And so um, I think he's going to excel um, in his leadership and with his play. And so I'm excited to actually see this team, seeing the depth that they have. But Coach Samson, man – doesn't matter those recruiting rankings. A lot of that stuff is political in a popularity contest anyway. But like you said, the most important thing was impact winning. How can you learn how to impact winning and learn how to develop in your role? In high schools, most of these players are the man on their team, and they pretty much can do any and everything in high school to impact the game. But when you come to a, a college game, another level, often you got to find your niche, find your role on the team and excel in that and impact winning in the ways that you can attribute to the game and to your team. And so um, he's right. I, and I can't wait to see what this team cooks up and put out on the floor. Yeah, and when you mentioned one of those players, something we've alluded to throughout the entire segment is all eyes are going to be on Jarvis Walker, the first five-star recruit that, that Houston has landed under Calvin Sampson. And, and one of the things that Sampson said about Walker is just and it's something that I feel like is going to be huge once the, the season starts. It's going to be how versatile he is, just the many different positions he can play. Uh, Calvin actually said that he could play so many, like he could play the three, he could play the four, he could play the five. Here's what Jarvis Walker had to say when, when I asked him about you know, if he could describe what his game is like for someone that might not have seen him play before. I would say pretty pretty versatile. Like I feel like it's nothing on the court I really can't do. So I feel like I pass. I mean, I can shoot a little bit, defend, block shots. Uh, get the ball, push him on the break. So, I mean, I'm really just like a versatile forward who can just create for myself and others. Mm-hmm. So, at one point, Coach said, don't play with your back to the basket. He wants you to turn and face. What's that like, you know, knowing that your coach is giving you that confidence? It, it means a lot, just knowing that, like, he's comfortable saying saying that in front of everybody. So, I mean, like, obviously I proved that I could do that, but also, like, his word um, also means a lot, too, just knowing that the head coach is working to be myself and play my game. So, yeah, it definitely goes a long way. Versatility, the key word there. Um, 
it's, you kind of heard Calvin in the first clip kind of try to temper down expectations when it comes to a lot of the recruits just in terms of being early in the season. And honestly, when, when there's a lot of hype around a player, it could certainly – there's been many instances in the past where too much hype ends up doing a lot of damage for a player, especially early on, because it, it is an adjustment period. And one of the things that Jairus Walker said, you know, there's nothing like a University of Houston men's basketball practice. And his phrasing, but it, it's a different level. It's another level. And it, obviously – Obviously, this whole month they're going to be adjusting to it, but I imagine it's another level once they actually step into a, a live game as well. Yep, another level. And at practice, he's going to get a chance to continue to work on his versatility. You look at players that played his position before, particularly at Houston, they've all been versatile. Let's just start with the last Fabian, his versatility, how he developed throughout his tenure at Houston from becoming a, a mid-range jump shooter to a person that can shoot threes. And you already mentioned he has some of the skill sets that really can just do it all. He's a playmaker for something that you see a lot in the NBA with the ability to catch it off the rim and, and initiate the fast break and make passes and make plays and make reads. And I think he has that ability to do so along with spread the floor, knock down shots, play off the dribble, and off of the times he's going to be more athletic than the player guarding him, and he can beat them off the dribble with his handle and his elusiveness to get to the rim and finish. So I'm sure that's something they were working on today. And so um, I'm really, really excited to see Jarish more importantly, just to see him develop and see how he's going to impact winning on this team. Yeah, an exciting time overall for the University of Houston, especially um, when it comes to the men's basketball program. Like I said, at the top of the segment, a lot of hype, um, a lot of expectations on this program entering the 2022-23 season. Like I mentioned during the women's segment, their first game of the regular season is also scheduled for November 7th. Uh, they open the season against Northern Colorado. That will be at Fertitta Center, a Monday night opener for Houston. So, um, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so already, like you see in the banner, please be sure to s- subscribe to the channel on YouTube at Pods Time at Jamma, like you see it if you're listening to audio-only platforms. It's P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A. And also be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. We are on TikTok, TikTok now, uh, Dayan. Um, we are kind of trying to get as many eyeballs as possible on TikTok and Instagram. We are Let's Rage Coops, all lowercase, no spaces. That's L-E-T-S-R-A-G-E-C-O-O-G-S on TikTok and Instagram. On the topic of Let's Rage Cougs, we'd like to remind everyone to tune in for Friday's Let's Rage Cougs following the post-game of Houston and Tulane. We'll be breaking down all things, whatever happened in the game, and hopefully discussing a Houston win, but I'm sure it'll be a, a hot topic nevertheless, depending on how the outcome goes, and we'll have clips from Dana Hogerson and whichever players speak to reporters after the game, so don't want to miss that. Once again, that's at the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, Let's Rage Cougs streaming following the conclusion of Houston and Tulane this coming Friday. But that's going to do it for today's episode. So as always, Dan, I'll toss it over to you for our final words, sir. Go cool, baby.